Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore podcast. My name is Jeff, and I'm joined as always by my good buddies Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. Well, we've got a new good buddy here, and this is the voice of the Tiger Phonics podcast that many have loved for a long time, and it is uh, Jack Hewson. How are you, Jack? Good, Matt. How are you? Uh, well, um, we have a fun topic, and that is because uh, most of the persons on this podcast are, have had uh, either witnessing, uh, watching, being fans of, or playing sports be a big part of their lives. So this is the Mount Rushmore of sporting memories, and uh, Jack is our guest, and so he's going to go first. What's your first choice, Jack? Yeah, so my first is uh, being a spectator um, at the 51st Showdown. Um, so this is um, here in Adelaide. There are two AFL teams, um, the Adelaide Crows and the Port Adelaide Power. Um, and so there's from the, the year that Port came into the competition, there have been 51 games where they've played each other. Uh, 52 now, actually. But this is, uh, this is from last year, the first of the two clashes um and it's just the setup it was a close game pretty well the whole way through and you, you, you'd know that whenever there's a, a crosstown rival um tensions sort of build you hate those guys a little bit more um <laughs> and so you know it's it's a close game with two minutes to go um a, a free kick a penalty is given away travis boak basically goes within goal range and misses the goal to keep the game alive um, and then, so then the next two minutes are just pure edgy seat adrenaline type stuff. I was in the crowd, um, in the shot where Travis Boke misses. I sent you guys all a video, um, beforehand and in, in the shot where he misses, I'm actually sitting right behind the goals or just behind the, the right goalpost. See my friend Joel is in a, a, a big yellow Guernsey. I'm somewhere next to him. Um, but yeah, so after, after, um, Boke misses the goal, the Crows get the ball back, uh, and they've got two minutes to get down the other end and score. And it's just back and forth, the ball's bouncing around, you know, tackles, marks, intercept marks, everything that could possibly happen. And being in that crowd environment, we were just, we were locked in. It was, uh, it was crazy. So there's so much going into that game as well. Both teams were at zero and two. So whoever won the game, there was like an extra little bit of rivalry there. Everything was on the line, um, and at the e at the end of the game, there was a free kick given to the the Crows within goal distance, <coughs> uh, and uh, player goes down. Murphy, Lockie Murphy, gets taken out, um, and after the siren, free kick given. Jordan Dawson, he'd only played it was his third game for the Crows, returning. Um, he he played at Sydney beforehand, so he comes over. He's back home. He's an Adelaide boy kicks the goal after the siren which is like every kid's dream and just the bend of the ball and you can see it he, he kicks and he misses it looks like it's going to miss it's way right and all the the port fans behind the goals go up they're like we've we've done it we've held on and then this ball just slices like a knife <laughs> like like wanted and uh and it's just awesome and and the crowd went absolutely mental yeah <laughs> I've watched Ooh, a lot wow. of Aussie. I've watched a lot of Aussie rules football over the years. I, 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 these guys know this. I grew up kind of watching theirs on ESPN in the '80s, here in in the states. And my dad and I kind of it was like our cult, sort of like sport to watch. And you're right, a kind of a game-winning kick after the final siren, is something that it's hard to kind of, it's hard to in American sports terms explain what that would be like. It would be like sinking an extra point 
at the after you know if you got fouled as the last shot went up and you had to sink it uh free throws mm. to try and win the game or something like that i, I mean even that doesn't really do it justice it really mm. is i mean there have been at least one or two in grand finals i believe that have happened that have been at the final siren and yeah it's just you know watching that clip and like you said seeing the the arc of the ball is it kind of like takes this like soccer style zip across the face of the of the post to go in yeah i was uh that was pretty exciting i question for you uh jack is yeah with, with the two with the two adelaide teams is there is it are the fans split ge- ge- geographically is it you know a certain type of fan tends to favor one or the other what's the what's the split um, i don't know uh yeah, no, not really. I think like um, so there is obviously a section of Adelaide which is Port Adelaide, it's where the the harbour is and stuff like that. Um, and then there's um, their their facility, their training ground and stuff is all over there. So I think there's obviously like people that live in Alberton, which is sort of over there. Um, like they've they're probably a little bit more predisposed. Um, but I think for the most part, Port fans are scattered all over the place. Crows fans are scattered all over the place. So. Yeah, not not really. There's not like a if you're here, you're in the heart mm-hmm. of it sort of thing. So, it doesn't seem like in Chicago, if you just say Cubs or Sox, you know where they, you know that they're in the north mm-hmm. or the south of yeah. Chicago. Yeah, so, no, it's not. Yeah, yeah, not a heavy split. Like well, that's another thing too. Is I, I'm interested in in Aussie rules is um, how close are the athletes to the kind of average citizen? I know here, uh, whether it's the maybe not the Cubs, but if it's a White Sox player, this person is is at least a is close to being a millionaire and very distant from uh, the average citizenry. Is that true with Aussie rules players too? Um, yeah, well, there was actually a, a, an article released last week or the week before where it said that 11 or 12 players were, were paid a million dollars last year across the whole league. Oh, um, wow. So there, it, the pay gap, uh, the pay, sorry, like um, is way less um, for Australian sports than American, which I think probably does bring them closer to the everyday. Um, like you can see these guys, you know, getting brunch um, if you're in the <laughs> right spot. You know, and you kind of give them a wave, and they they know, you know. Um, yeah. And they're not they're, they're nice blokes. You know, I don't know if you guys do it um, in America, but last Friday there was like an interclub trial match where the 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 basically the reserves team played the actual team and they sort of chopped and changed a few players. But afterwards, you know, like 90% of the team came around the boundary and took photos with the kids and signed mm. stuff and whatever. So they're pretty, they're pretty down to earth. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not, it's not as it's, it's one of our biggest things here, but it's still not as big as like, you know, what two, three weeks ago was the Super Bowl. So you mm-hmm. look at the, like the difference of pageantry and, and stardom that, that those guys have. It's yeah, it's not, not really the same yeah. thing. It seems like they're much closer there and uh, you feel a stronger connection to them, perhaps. All right, Richard yeah. and Michael, uh, what do you got? Rich, should I start? I'll start. Yeah, go um, ahead. Uh, my, one of my favorite um, uh, sports memories was um, back in uh, September of 2006, the Dodgers were playing the Padres at like uh, a home game and um, they were down uh, nine to five heading into like the bottom of the ninth inning and the Dodgers went on to hit uh four back to back to back to back did I get that right yeah home runs to tie up the game and then eventually 
and then eventually, I think in the tenth, um, they hit another home run to uh, to win it. And I remember it was one of those things where being down nine to five feels like almost like insurmountable, especially if, as you're like, uh, if your team is facing their closer and their closer's probably there to get three outs and you know maybe give up a single. And you know usually it's he's just dire straits. And um, at the time I was watching this game, I think you were there too, Richard. We were at the Sportsman's Lodge uh, yep. after a kickball game. And they had it on like the big TV in the kind of in the back. And um, there was a, like a, one of our friends was like a psycho Dodgers fan. He was just standing there, like just grunting at every, you know, every pitch and, and everything. But like, okay, so they hit the first home run. That's fine. Then they comes back and immediately like the second one goes out and you're like, Okay, well that's that's cool. That's really cool. They're still down by two runs. They still need to score three <laughs> to win. And then the third one, and then the fourth one, and you're just like losing it. And so they're like up uh, nine, and then it's like you're just absolutely losing. You can't believe that uh, just the collapse on the one side and the absolute like triumph just to tie the game. And like you would yeah. have just accepted that, like okay, I, they tied. If they still ended up losing, would have been heartbreaking, but it would still been really cool. And then of course, uh, uh, in the tenth, uh, Nomar Garcia Para, kind of a, a new addition to the Dodgers that year, um, comes in and hits the game-winning one. And it's just like just electric. That the home run is such a strange electric phenomenon that happens every game. You know, there's like so few games that don't have a home run. And just the amount, the consistency, like the fee, the build up to it, I remember was just, it was just nuts. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like it was the end of the season. It wasn't the World Series. It was like near the end of a regular season where they ultimately went on to have like a tied record with the Padres and ultimately got swept out of the playoffs like less than a month later. So they were just, they were done. But I think what's so strange about like these sorts of sports memories or these sorts of like kind of pivotal things that you remember for the rest of your life. It could be in a playoff or it could be in like a big rivalry, or it could be just like a Tuesday, like in May and you know, <laughs> one of 162 games that you're just like, I just, the feeling was so just incredible. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like with the time shifting of our TV viewing there? Well, there's more sports than, than ever, but sure. Uh, but we also, will know that we can watch the game later or we can watch the highlights uh when we were younger you had to watch the game so that that is something Mm. that uh, i think maybe presents kind of a a a technicolor glow around some of those um earlier memories they seem so much uh maybe more impactful because you you kind of had to enjoy it firsthand in the moment with other people around you who are in disbelief that this awesome thing is even happening. Well, I I also think to to kind of piggyback on that, I also think like the Twitter aspect of how sports are watched these days, I think is very, it it goes both ways. It can be really detrimental because you're watching this game, but you're also looking at your phone, but then Mm -hmm. somebody might have like the funniest fucking thing that's ever been said about whatever that just, you just saw. And like immediately you tie those two things together or like whatever observation is, Mm -hmm just is just oh, it's funny but yeah. then it's also you also have like the the negative side of it where someone just like posts like wow and it's out of context and it's like oh i guess you're talking about sports i don't care <laughs> all right jack what's your second choice 
Yeah, just back on my first one, just real quick. Sorry. Um, oh. If I if I can, if I can derail the show just for a second. Just some of the <laughs> things you were saying, just like one of the best things ever happened to me to, at a live sporting event. Um, I went up to order beers in the first quarter and the beer tap was broken. They couldn't turn it off. So I ordered eight <laughs> beers and I got them for free. <laughs> and I went back to my seats. And I said to my two mates, go, go order eight beers right now. <laughs> They come back with beers and they're also freeze and we could drink, so we're just handing them out. So everyone around us was loving us, right? And so when when the game winning kick was done, everyone rushed to us because we were like we were the guys that bought everyone beer. They didn't know the tap was broken. We were legends, and so much so that the the camera actually focused in on us at the end of the game after they were just going to the crowd. They zoomed all in straight on me and Joel and they hovered on us for like 15 seconds and we were talking about why. I'm like, it must have been because everyone rushed to us. They must have thought that we were something special, which we weren't more than just the guys that bought the beer. Sorry. That's wonderful. That is wonderful. What a memory. But that, what just, a memory. that just added to why it was such a, probably yeah. the number one, the number one yeah. for me. Yeah. So, but my number two, comes in uh, July 20th, 2021, Bucks in six. Um, so this is kind of completely the opposite to my first one. I was, you know, with it, with 55,000 people going absolutely nuts. This, I was on the other side of the world during a COVID lockdown, watching on my own from the couch. Um, I'd been a Bucks fan for like maybe four seasons. Um, I kind of just, all my other friends have been like, I've got like uh, Bears fans, Bulls fans, um, Rockets fans, and they're just like, you should get into it. And I was like, all right, I'm going to pick my own team. So I just looked, I looked at the teams list, and I was like, the Bucks logo looks sick. I love green, and I was like, who doesn't love the gear? Let's do this. Um, so I didn't even know who Giannis was. He was he'd been playing, but I didn't know who who he was. So um, or, or what he was going to be. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I start picking, pick the team, start watching the games, and then three, four years later, 2021 rolls around and just, wow. Um, the, the would have loved, I've never gone to an NBA game, would love to go and see one live, but I mean, the, the whole season was pretty good. The, the playoffs run, um, you know, even the, the, the series against the Nets where KD's foot was over the line, by a, a millimeter that then won the Bucks the series. They went through rest is history. Um, just even the way it was done, Giannis in spectacular fashion, 50 points. Um, just a just a great memory. Yeah, like it's for for such a short term investment, relatively for just such an amazing um, victory. Yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah, you really got in on the ground floor while things were getting ready to take off there by picking the Bucks when you did. Yeah, who, who knew? I was just like, you know what? They've they've like been around playoffs for the last couple of seasons. So if I pick this team, I, I won't get disappointed. I'm not going to see like 50 losses a year sort of thing. So I was like, all right, cool. This is this is fine. Three years later, I was like, damn, I, I, I really picked a winner here. Giannis is great because he like, uh, you know, he's uh, he's Greek, but he comes. Uh, but there's such like a forwardness to him in that he'll like he'll like have never had like an Oreo before. And then he's just like, he's just all in on like Oreos. And he's just like, yeah, like, that's his thing. And he's so like lovable. He's just like, oh yeah, uh, this is the best thing. I'm never going to not have Oreos every day for the rest of my life. Uh, he's wonderful. 
Yeah, he's he's almost more entertaining when he's like not playing when he's being rested. Like I think <laughs> earlier this season, he was just not playing a game, and he was like, my my whole goal for the game is I'm gonna find a pack of Skittles. So he's like searching around for candy, and he's just like, and then he finally gets it, and he's like, mm. and then you see like a teammate being like, and he's like, Mm-mm, no, these are my Skittles. Like, <laughs> okay, uh, Richard or Michael, what's your second? All right, our second one. This is probably maybe the most recent one, I think, on either of our lists. Uh, This past season's MLS Cup uh, championship between LAFC and the Philadelphia Union was the most insane sporting event I've ever been to live. Um, You guys both know, um, and for Jack's sake, uh, I am a member of the supporters group for LAFC. So I'm in the stands every game, standing and chanting for 90 minutes. I used to play drums in the drum line for a couple of seasons. So I've been really actively involved, half season tickets, like I said, go to every game. And for the MLS Cup final, it was just when we were hosting it. So it's kind of neat to have versus like a Super Bowl or something like that, where it's at a neutral site. It's neat to have this championship game actually in your home stadium. And the match itself was just, we went ahead, they came back and tied it. We went ahead, they came back and tied it. Then we got to extra time, and our goalkeeper had to try and run out to stop what would have been a surefire goal, wound up breaking his leg, making a tackle, and getting a red card at the same time, which is oh. which is, which is is the definition of a bad day at the office, I think. <laughs> um, so we were down to 10 men. And the union scored within a couple of minutes and it came down to being extra time of extra time. So the injury time added on of the extra time, we're down a man and Gareth Bale just comes out of nowhere. The superstar player who we had signed in the middle of the season, who had done absolutely jack squat for us all year, comes out of nowhere with this towering header with literally seconds left to go in the match to send it to penalty kicks. And then the penalty kicks happen in front of our section. So there's you know 3,252 fans just screaming our heads off every time that the union go up to kick. And they miss all three penalty kicks. Our backup goalkeeper, who hadn't played, played one game all season, comes in and stops two of the three penalty kicks. The other one sailed over the crossbar. And he is like the MVP of the game, even though he had, like I said, played one game all season. When Gareth Bale scored the goal, I was standing on a chair because we're all standing to watch. And I literally fell off of my chair. <laughs> That's how excited I got. I literally just like went for a little tumble. <laughs> and I've, I, I just remember an hour after the match finally leaving the stadium. And there was actually a USC game because the Bank of California, now whatever it's called, BMO Stadium, is located on the same site essentially as the Coliseum, and there was a USC game that was happening at the same time. So their USC fans are out there tailgating, and we're all kind of pouring out of this. And it was just like being in a daze, you know. It was. It just. It didn't feel real. Like I hadn't. It took me a while, like days, to comprehend. I just saw the greatest soccer match in league history. That's pretty special. That is amazing. You are known for your center of balance. You are known to never topple. That's true. I'm like a weeble wobble usually. <laughs> well, if something knocks me off of my, knocks me down. It's uh, it's got to mean something. 
That haze is real, though, that you speak of, man. Like, you walk out Mm -hmm. of a live event, your team's won, the adrenaline rush. You'll be there for, like, sometimes it lasts days, but that that evening or that afternoon, you are just like, what just... What just happened? Did we just see that? Did that actually happen? Like, you're like, we came back. Wow. We came back. Or we, we just killed them. We, we didn't have a chance. And we nailed them. Like, oh, man. That's Sports awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, let's plow, plow in and go to your third, Jack. Why don't we move forward? All right. So this is another AFL Crows-based uh, memory. The t- 2017 season, the Crows um, made it all the way to the grand final. Um, and ultimately they lost the grand final, but my memory is most of the season, but in particular the preliminary final, or like, um, I guess it's like winning the conference playoffs. So it's it's such an amazing feeling. Um, Obviously winning a a championship or a premiership is one thing, but the excitement and the build-up after winning that, that penultimate game where you're like, you're off to the big dance. You know, you've got a week of you know, planning, sometimes even more depending on the sport, but for us it's a week. You've got a, you know, a week to plan of like, all right, this is it. Are we going to the game? Are we going to spend five times the, the money to get a ticket last minute? Are we going to get together and watch it? Are we going to do a party? What, what's the thing? There's all this time when losing isn't even on your mind. We're in. and Anything can happen now. Um, I've got, my hair is standing on its end just talking about it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so just the 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 game was fantastic we the, they finished um so well that they they got the home prelim final so that was at adelaide oval um and it was actually the year that i was i got engaged and got married so um i actually got married two days after the prelim win so the crows beat the cats um there's a, a day set up and whatnot and then on the sunday uh, I got married. So it was this like awesome time when leading into the wedding, everything that possibly could have gone right, you know, for, for all my mates, all the boys, you know, they were all there. I was at home writing my um, thank you cards and whatever. So I was watching on the TV, <laughs> but I was at my auntie's house where I was living at the time because I just moved to the city. Um, but, you know, my mum and my dad were there, my sister, my brother had come down from Queensland, all my in-laws were there. And it was just like we were all there together in this little lounge room dining area, just watching watching the game together, which is something that like once you get older, you get to the point where you're getting married and you moved out and all that sort of stuff, you don't have that same feeling of watching the game with your dad or your mum or your siblings or whatever as much. Um, so that's like one of the last times I really remember like a big we've done it, this is awesome moment where my whole family was there. Um so just a really nice time for for my whole, you know, my life in general. Mm-hmm. But that game was just phenomenal. Oh, that's great. That's super cool. Yeah, the fa- the family dynamic is so, so sweet when you have that going on. Richard and Michael, what's your third? Go for it, Michael. There we go. Okay. Uh, my third is... Uh, Kind of like a, a miserable sports memory. I, like I didn't want this to be like the last one we ended on because I knew that uh, Richard's going to have uh, another one. But uh, in 2016, it was my birthday, and we had friends that had invited us out to uh, a Los Angeles Rams game. They had just moved, I believe, at the beginning of the season um, back to LA. I could be wrong, to, uh, but I feel like I'm pretty close. And 
I was really excited because I'd never been to like a professional sports uh, football game or an NFL game before. And it was over at like the, uh, the Coliseum. So they hadn't quite moved into their huge fancy like um, uh, new digs yet. But uh, I was really excited to go because just never had been. It was on my birthday. Uh, and we took like the train to get there. We took the subway to get there. It took forever. And then we sit through like, three and a half hours of like just like miserable football like not just like <laughs> it wasn't just like it wasn't exciting like they scored early and then they scored in the second half and they were up like 10 nothing heading into the fourth quarter and it started to rain and then like the miami dolphins came back and scored a touchdown so they're up seven to ten or ten to seven and then the dolphins scored another touchdown and then it was just like huh and then the game was over and they didn't seem to care and it was just like, oh, this sucks. And it, we're just drenched. We're wearing like like those plastic, like uh, like little thin, like garbage bag type tarps. And mm. it was like my birthday. <laughs> it was like, I need to get a win out of this team that I don't particularly even care for. But it was just the whole experience, just like, huh, is this what so many people go through and like put invest so much time in? On like a particular Sunday, they get so amped up for it just to maybe sit in the rain and lose, or be mm -hmm. <laughs> have to stand and like be stuffed into like the uh, I don't know if it's not quite the red line down there. Richard, you're much more experienced down there. Maybe the blue line or whatever it is. Yeah, the expo but, line. But now, yeah, but the expo line. So that everybody is like cold and wet and stuffed into a train car. And like the heat of everybody that's being generated, everything's just steamy and miserable. And just like, I remember being like, this, this is sports. It is like transcendent, but that is also potentially like super <laughs> miserable. Somebody, somebody has to lose and your live experience of this is I'm forever going to like remember mm -hmm. that. Like I've been to a Rams game at the Coliseum since then. Uh, before they moved and like we had great seats like it was like i won them through work or a raffle or whatever and it was great free parking and everything was just like super and then but it's like i don't remember that game so much i remember the one where it was just, <laughs> just terrible the awful one yeah. all right uh jack it's your time to uh shine it's the last choice for you cool well so this is kind of my most like broad one um it kind of extrapolates on that last sort of family thing we're talking about it's like it's the Olympics, for me, is my first oh. one. doesn't even have to be a particular year. Um, normally, I hate when anything dominates the TV more than it should. Like when MasterChef has like four episodes a week. Um, <laughs> I can't stand that. But um, there's something about the Olympics. Like it's so special. You wait for so long to see it. Um, and if it's the kind of thing you get behind, it, it can. it's like it's everywhere all around you. Um, and I just remember, probably would have been 04 or 08, um, for how old I would have been, but just that, like, again, whole family's there. What are we doing? We're watching the Olympics. Doesn't matter mm -hmm. what's on. Watching the swimming. We're watching the track and field. Um, and just, just like getting behind it. Doesn't matter even who's competing. We just want to see these these feats of excellence. Um, my dad actually competed in the Masters Games um, years before I was born, um, but that just created he had a real interest in track and field particularly um he had 
uh, shot puts and discuses and stuff like that, um, sort of in the back shed. So when mm-hmm. Olympics time would come around, we'd dust those off and we'd go to the park <laughs> and throw them around and stuff. So it was really like getting into it. It's a lot of good memories of just like, um, yeah, spending some like quality time and just like, yeah, I think I, I couldn't even tell you what year it was, but just, yeah, the Olympics. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. I think as a kid, you know, we always uh, had would watch the World Series, but never it, it was never a world anything. <laughs> mm. uh, and here, here it is: these actual people competing for uh, throughout the world. Yeah, it's so so. Many. Richard, you're an Olympics kind of fan, aren't you? Yeah. No. Yeah, I am. Uh, yeah. yeah, I definitely watch the Olympics, and uh, yeah, there's something you know. You know, it's kind of cliched. I mean, look, being an American. It's like you're rooting for the favorite in like 90% mm-hmm. of the sports. So you do kind of feel like a dick a little bit whenever your yeah. team sweeps the medals in the 110 meter hurdles or something like that. It's like, yay, the most well-funded, largest team in, in the competition mm-hmm. won. Great yeah. for us. Yeah. I think it means more if you're another country, probably, mm-hmm. I would assume. Yeah. Being from a, a different country where where your success is really kind of give you a little bit more national pride it almost feels like march madness for me like like some of these countries are the equivalent of like ball state you know or some smaller college <laughs> that that is able to compete against a big uh a, a big uh school you know that uh, makes you feel really relatable or, really- like, or a country like australia which has been is i think punched well over its weight in the olympics mm-hmm. in recent years you know, in terms of in relation to its population, the number of of medals that they've won in the winter and summer Olympics, both. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 something. It's a point of national pride. Yeah. All right, gents. So we're going to go into our last uh, one, Richard and Michael. What's what's your final choice? All right, final choice. Uh, it was the uh, I was I'm a USC uh, alum. That's where I went to college, and I'm a huge USC football fan. And I was at a game in 2004. wasn't a championship game or anything like that, but it was USC was ranked number one, and we were playing the Cal Golden Bears, and they were ranked number seven in the country. It was like a big top ten battle, and we just were miserable the whole game. USC was. Aaron Rodgers, who was the quarterback for Cal, set an NC2A record for number of completed passes in a roll in a row. He completed like his first 22 or 23 passes in a row against us. I mean, just there was no way to stop him. And there is nothing, no gut feeling in sports more frustrating than knowing what the other team is going to do and knowing that your team has zero chance to stop the inevitable thing from happening. Oh, well. But somehow they fumbled the ball. They lost, they like lost three fumbles, I think. So we kept it in the game, and we actually were ahead 23-17 going into the final couple of minutes. And then Cal starts just marching down the field. Here comes Aaron Rodgers, 9-yard pass, 8-yard pass, 12-yard pass. Gets down to, like, first and goal from, like, the 5-yard line. And you're just thinking, well, hopefully they score quickly enough so we have a chance to get the ball back and try and march down the field and get a, a field goal to win it. And we stop them on first down. And then they get a run for a couple of yards. And then there's a penalty. Then we stop them on third down. And now it's fourth down. And the Coliseum 
I mean, USC sports fans are not known for being the most rowdy college football fans. It's not like Ohio State or Michigan or Alabama or LSU or one of those sort of crazy places that you think about when you think of uh, kind of like over-the-top college football fans. But there were 90,000 fans in that stadium, and everyone was screaming their head off. And it was so loud that I had to yell at my best friend who was standing next to me to try and talk to him. Like I couldn't talk to him in a normal voice, even though he was right next wow. to me, next seat over. And we stopped him on fourth down. And however loud I thought it was, it just got even louder. It was the loudest sporting event I've ever been a part of. Mm-hmm. And it just gives me goosebumps still to this day, thinking about just how, how loud it was. It was unbelievable. That sounds amazing. Yeah, and it just goes to show that there's – If I, I know a lot of people say, well, I'd rather watch a game on TV versus at the live in the stadium. Mm-hmm. And I can be that way sometimes as well. But then I have to think about events like that or the MLS Cup Final or some of these other great sporting events I've been able to see live. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have had that same connection with it if it would have been something I watched on television. Yeah. Just yeah. one all right. Uh, speaking of connections, we're really glad we connected with you, uh, Jack. Uh, I want you what to a throw, regale. Jeff. What a throw. <laughs> Speaking of segues, um, I would like to uh, invite you to let the audience know where they can find your podcast. Yeah, cool. So thank you for that. Uh, we're we're on most um, streaming apps. Uh, Tiger Phonics Podcast is the name of the show. Um, yeah, it's just a just a great show. I just hang around and uh, it's a little bit less direct than your show, but we just hang out and talk with mates about our favorite things. So um, yeah, you can find us on that uh, same on Instagram, same name Tiger like the animal and F O N I X. And then if you want to find me, um, I'm on Instagram at Jack in the Hat with just J A K I N D A H A T. It's the hardest thing to plug on a show. Um, it's not spelt in any of the ways it should be. So. Elusive marketing strategies are always very <laughs> successful. Uh, well, uh, you know, now is the time when we uh, usually disappoint Michael and Richard when we have our, a, uh, um, a guest on because I don't want to give away uh, the ending, but spoiler, they lose. So um, <laughs> if, if this was a sports game, there has been no back and forth. Jack, you've been dominating the whole time. Uh, and so he, these are the four choices that are going up on the Mount Rushmore. The Adelaide Crows versus Port Adelaide in the last two minutes. Bucks and six, AFL, Crows, the grand final, and the Olympics. So thank you, Jack, so much for being on our podcast. Really Thanks appreciate very much it. for having me. All right. And yeah, check out the Tiger Phonics podcast uh, wherever you get quality podcasts. And this has been the Mount Rushmore Podcast. I'm always Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. And I'm Jack. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs>